This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast feed. And to get your questions in a five-star review for a chance to get that question answered in an upcoming mailbag episode, we're going to have recruiting analysts hop onto this feed and answer reader questions. So make sure you do that in a five-star review. We're going to be joined by Greg Biggins. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports to talk about a big commitment in the SEC. We're going to talk about uh, some big activity and some major movement out west in the Pac-12. We're also going to be joined by Charles Power, who's going to touch on the upcoming release of the new Top 24-7 a refresh with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. Charles is also going to talk about what he likes about a new commitment for North Carolina, uh, a wide receiver committed to Ohio State, and a number of other topics, uh, including the update to the Top 24-7. But before we get to that, let's begin with the kickoff. Get ready for another layer to the recruiting process as the state of Florida made big waves last week. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a new bill into legislation last week that would allow college students to be paid for their name, image, and likeness. So this is going to add another dimension, another aspect to recruiting where college coaches will now be able to use that to to potentially land a prospect and say, hey, we can market you, we can brand you, we can do a little bit different than any other school in the country. And I think that's going to benefit some of these big name schools and it's going to benefit the big name recruits. These are the players that are going to be able to demand the type of money for their name, image, and likeness, you know, whether that be jersey sales or advertisements or uh, being an influencer on social media, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or, or, or Twitter or, or TikTok or whatever it may be at the time. Um, it's going to really, I think, affect the way recruits are approached and the the way some of some of the top tier prospects all will be recruited. The state of Florida was the first one. I know Colorado uh, passed a similar bill. I know California was at the forefront. We're going to talk to Greg Biggins here shortly about that. So that's going to be another interesting layer, another thing to peel back and to really dissect as recruiting moves into the modern game. We are now joined by Greg Biggins. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Greg, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, Blair. How are you doing, man? We're working on your intro music. It's a work <laughs> in progress. Little Tupac California love. The, vo- the voices have been heard. Uh, <laughs> your, your vote has been cast. Uh, so it's a work in progress. We're, we're working through it. There's a, I mean, obviously right now, we were talking earlier, the, the weather out here in California right now is just beautiful. It is. It is, man. Mid-70s with uh, not much of a breeze and no clouds in the sky. This is why we pay all that extra to, to live out here, right? That, that's got to be the reason. 
Yeah, no, that, that that's certainly one of the reasons. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, that that's one thing that a lot of schools use to pitch recruits, right? The, the USC's, the UCLA's, Cal, Stanford, you know, the, those schools, the San Diego States, they pitch the the way of life, right? And, and kind of the state of living and being able to live near the palm trees, near the beach breeze with the sun for four to five years. Now there's other little, you know, variables, uh, other aspects of recruiting, like we saw last week with Florida passing a bill now into a law to obviously allow recruits to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. I think Colorado also followed suit and, and signed a similar law. I feel like this is a thing that's going to continue to happen. I know California was at the forefront of this as well. What's your take on the future of of that and how it's going to impact recruiting? I mean, I think it's going to be a huge impact on recruiting um, for obvious reasons. I, I I think there's definitely a lot of pluses. You always want to you know you always want to see. I think you and I have both been in favor of the student athlete benefiting and getting some of that you know some of that money. So. I think there's going to be that benefit. And there's also the concern of, you know, okay, certain schools are, are going to, you know, really be able to sell, hey, come to our school. And, you know, we are able to market you a lot better. And basically, it's, it's you're, 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 you're paying for players, right? Essentially, not, not by the letter of the law, but that's kind of what you're doing. If you're a school in the South who, you know, football is so wild there, you know, those jerseys and those, you know, images are going to sell a lot more than if you go to say, you know, like a, a Boise State or a school like that. So there's going to be that discrepancy, but the counter would be, well, there's already a discrepancy, right? Your Boise State's not going to beat out Alabama for a guy already. So it's just a way for the guys to go out and, and make some money. And we'll see. We'll see how it affects recruiting. We'll see if it affects maybe players staying an extra year in school. You know, we, we always see kids come out early, probably before they're ready, just because they want to you know, they got to start to try to support their families. So maybe if they're getting something at the college level, maybe they'll stay back. I'm just throwing kind of just, just spitballing, but no, kind of cool. You know, Florida's kind of been out in the forefront. I, I know I mentioned before off air, California, I thought was the first one, but I think they don't go into effect for a, a year or two now, whereas Florida is not messing around. Their governor is not messing around first with he's, he's, he's COVID not. and how this, yeah, I kind of want that guy out, out here. Uh, <laughs> well, Florida, <laughs> like yeah, Florida, Florida, that will go into effect next summer. So yeah. in July of 2021 is when recruits, so theoretically, this is the group of recruits that will benefit from that, the 2021 class, the first batch of prospects that will benefit from that and and you know moving forward with with a player like JC Latham who committed to Alabama recently this is a player specifically who could benefit from his name image and likeness a five-star prospect a top 20 prospect in the 24/7 sports composite their number one rated offensive tackle in the country uh, according to 24/7 sports uh, IMG Academy in Florida so this is a player who has a lot of branding behind him and he's committed to Alabama so uh, th- this is exactly what I think a, a bill like this is going to be made for, for some of these prospects that can benefit from their name, from their image, from their likeness. Um, and, and, you know, I'm all for, you know, moving a step closer to maybe getting that video game, uh, maybe possibly playing <laughs> with, maybe possibly playing with a JC Latham. What, what do you see uh, out of him? I know you saw him at the future 50 out in Florida earlier in the year. Uh, what do you like about him? What do you think his potential is in Tuscaloosa? 
I mean, he's got he's got number one overall potential. You know, right now the top two players, JT Tumalau, Corey Foreman, JC Latham is definitely in contention for the number one overall spot. And when I saw him, you know, at the at the future fifty, I, I took a couple of pictures. I was actually debating with some people who were back home in California, and I was saying, you know, just talk about how the biggest difference between talent out in the South versus talent back home in California is just linemen. And I took a picture. I said, look at this guy right here. There was no one who looks anywhere near this guy. And it was JC and he was six, five and he's, you know, 310 pounds. And he looks lean, right? He's not sloppy at all. Has the prototype tackle frame, long arms, quick feet, athletic, tested really well. Uh, you know, I know talking to, you know, Andrew Ivins looked great at the U of A event in Orlando. Obviously I mentioned the future 50 where he looked great there and just the prototype and the funny thing was, you know, not too long ago, we thought he was an Ohio State lean. We had talked about, about, a lot about how, you know, Ohio State's, you know, leading for so many players. Mentioned JT, mentioned Emeka Agbuka, and they mentioned JC Latham. But Alabama, you know, there was some talk that, God, what's wrong with Alabama? Why are they kind of off to such a slow start? Well, shoot, JC Latham just immediately takes their class to a, a much higher level. They lead for both Brock and Meyer brothers, the twins out of Texas. And all of a sudden, they could have a historically good offensive line class. And, you know, you have to kind of – I'm sure people were kind of worried about Bama and feeling sorry for them. God, Alabama, you know, just – they're not recruiting as well. But I think you, you can probably not worry so much about the Tide right now. They are uh, – no pun intended, but I, I see a nice little roll coming on for those guys. They, they should roll, finish out really I, strong. I like it. Roll Tide there from Greg Biggins. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. Greg, there was a lot of activity out in our part uh, of the woods uh, with a, a number of Pac-12 commitments. Let's start with the big one that made the most noise, and that was Troy Franklin, one of the top-rated receivers in the country, committing to the Oregon Ducks. So speaking of rolling, th this is a program now that obviously is going into that top five for the recruiting rankings, uh, a program that has been uh, just nonstop in terms of being able to build momentum and, and land commitments this off season. And now they add another offensive piece to a pro to a list that already includes a guy like Ty Thompson, a top 24, seven quarterback. They've got a, a number of, of, of big time offensive linemen in Bram Walden, Jonah Miller, Jackson light. Um, you know, they, they got a couple playmakers like a Maliki Matavao at tight end, a four-star prospect out of the state of Nevada. And, and now getting Franklin gives them that, that cornerstone, that, that building block along the, the receiving core no i mean i i posted they have they're on the verge of potentially if, if they if they land all the receivers they currently lead for Kyron ware hudson already locked in strong physical probably can't catch the ball better than in, in anybody else out west troy franklin is a really unique player he's six two he's got the you know kind of a wiry athletic kind of a basketball body which i love um but he, he can run after the catch he can outrun any defense uh high points at body control um, Troy Franklin is really good right now. He's in that discussion for that number two receiver spot. There's about five guys. We have a Mecca number one. I don't see anyone passing him up, but Troy, I, I think is exceptional national recruit, Alabama, USC, name a school. They're all over Troy. He's going to Oregon. I think they also lead for Xavier worthy. He's going to commit in two weeks, announce in two weeks. I think it's, I think Oregon's got the, got a great chance there. And then Dante Thornton is another guy in our top 100 uh, might even be top 50 who is that 6'4", 185-pound, you know, long, rangy guy. Uh, and again, I don't know what his timetable is, but I think they lead for Dante as well. So four guys, three in the top 100, three potential top 50 guys, 
it's Oregon, like you said, man, they're rolling right now at all positions, not just linemen. They got their quarterback. You mentioned Ty, uh, you know, they are recruiting at such a high level right now. And it just, it just starts with Mario Cristobal and how hard he grinds and how hard that staff works. And uh, yeah, you got to be excited if you're a duck fan right now. I think that that's been a message that they've been sharing for quite a bit. You know, the, the energy, the effort starts at the top. And whenever we speak to these recruits, Mario Cristobal always comes up as the guy that's leading the charge in their recruitment. So he is uh, super active on the phone, super, super active on social media, staying with those messages to recruits and staying in their ears. And you're seeing it pay off despite the fact that we're in a recruiting dead period, right? Where there are no in-person visits, no in-person evaluations. Uh, everything's been done digitally or virtually. And Oregon hasn't skipped a beat, obviously, capitalizing on on the great season that they had getting a top five pick in Justin Herbert um, and obviously an Outland trophy winner in Panesua the offensive lineman who's expected to be a high draft pick as well so Oregon rolling on all cylinders we can't talk about Oregon without talking a little bit Washington and uh, we we can't we can't get too many uh, fans mad up in the Pacific Northwest so let's talk about the Huskies they got Dyson McCutcheon a a four-star cornerback from Southern California who you know, could potentially match up with Troy Franklin down the road. Yeah, man, I, I like Dyson. Uh, know the family, know the dad. You know, my first year at student sports back in the mid-90s was Dalen's final year at Bishop Amont High School. So he went on to be an All-American at USC and, you know, a second-round draft pick. You know, Dyson is a, is a similar player. Dalen was an All-American running back. And I think Dyson, you watch him, man, he's dynamic with, with the ball in his hand. But just like Dalen, Dyson also is going to be playing corner He's that he's that ideal slot nickel corner who uh, I don't know if he's going to match up against a guy like Troy because you know Franklin six two although I, I I know for a fact Dyson would relish that he you know he kind of has that little chip that all you know sub six feet corners all have to have and that's like they'll take on anybody they'll just chop you right down I, I think ideally though he's that guy you match up against another team's super quick super athletic five ten five eleven six feet wide receiver who's just so shifty. And we're seeing a lot of big receivers. We're seeing a lot of tall corners, too. I think you got to have a corner who's in that 5'9", 5, 5'10", 5, 5, 5'11 range who can match up with those super shifty slot receivers. And that's where Dyson, I think, fits in. I think see him returning punts and kicks. And um, nice pickup for Washington. He took a visit as an eighth grader. Um, he was playing for, uh, for Snoop's team. And John Ross, also a Snoop League alum, got the, the whole group tickets. And he said just being in that stadium and seeing all the purple – that's what kind of, you know, made him a Husky fan. He goes, you know what? I grew up in a USC home, but Washington was actually my dream school. So that's why it wasn't a huge shock to see him pick UW. And like I said, nice pickup for them. And I think Dyson will do really well there. Yeah, and the Huskies have had success with that nickel role, right? With a guy like Miles Bryan, a former walk-on from Loyola, who did tremendously well in in that nickel slot role where he's facing against you know some of those shiftier receivers. So uh, they do have you know Jimmy Lake and that staff does have a a really good idea of what they like out of that position. Let's stay in the state of Washington, Greg, and, and talk about Xavier Ward, the three-star quarterback from Corona, who we saw earlier this month at the Winner's Circle Athletics Showcase. Uh, down in Corona and, and you know shortly thereafter picked up an offer from Washington State and he's now committed to the Cougars what 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 is Nick Rolovich getting in, in this quarterback who you know has been able to really raise his stock this offseason 
Yeah, I mean, we first saw him and, and loved him at the Elite 11, right? Going back to that event. And honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about him at that time. And, and he was, you know, the guy who just was ripping the football. I mean, he had, you know, he's got these huge hands, probably has the biggest hands of, of any high school quarterback, only 16 years old. Uh, a lot of these guys, right, have been, you know, held back. Some even held back two years. He's only 16, won't turn 17 until midway through his senior year. Um, Dad is a, a former Stanford Cardinal basketball player who's 6'5", and so Xavier's about 6'1", 6'2". He's got another growth spurt in him. Really good kid, smart kid, 3'7", GPA, a dual threat, um, you know, guy who can run and, and makes plays. And he just – we talk about a guy just with raw upside. That's, that's Xavier. You know, he's a guy who's not there yet. You know, he's still got some stuff to learn. But you look at his body of work and just his, his, his youth – and how good he can be once he kind of matures a little bit and learns the position, gets some more game reps. You know, he's a great fit for what Washington State wants to do. Man, they want a guy who's going to, you know, he's, it's the Hawaii offense. A guy who's going to throw the ball 40 times a game. And, you know, he's a, he's a strong-arm guy, but, but he can make every single throw, and he's athletic. And I, I think he was going to be a player who would have blown up this spring had there been a normal spring evaluation period where he could have went to camps and schools would have came out. I, I bet he would have been a, a 10 offer you know bcs power five guy and for washington state offered him last saturday after that camp that we saw him at and he wasted just a couple of days no time and go ahead and jump in on that cougar offer so good fit for both sides yeah i i agree i think he's a perfect fit for what nick rolovich wants to do at the quarterback position and what he showed at hawaii and what he hopes to bring to pullman so very nice pickup and like you said a guy i think xavier ward being uh, a prospect that could have really seen his stock rise had we had a traditional evaluation period before we let you go, Greg, I know we said that there was a lot of Pac-12 activity. Let, let's stick closer to where we are down here in Southern California. UCLA picked up a couple of commitments last week. Xavier Staples, uh, a receiver from Southern California, and they also picked up another receiver from the state of Arizona, Isaiah Newcomb, who also rose in our rankings uh, during the update last month. Uh, what what are they getting now? Because you know this is a program that has taken some some slack right they, they've been able um to I, I guess you know they, they haven't had the best seasons they haven't had maybe the the production out of chip kelly that they thought they would um uh, but i think sneakily is they're building a pretty nice recruiting class they are honestly guys that maybe you know aren't rated as highly you know four stars as they could be but just real solid good football players and i think both these two players kind of fit that bill you know newcomb they actually complement each other pretty well newcomb's that fast guy you know he would have been a guy who i think you know probably would have been a 10 700 meter guy this year had there been spring sports and the track wasn't shut down i think he ran what, like a 10 9 earlier in the year and so uh actually covered his dad uh bobby newcomb who played high school ball in, in new mexico and went on to nebraska high level he actually was looking at ucla his, his father was so not surprised to see you know ucla get involved and so they need some speed, right? They need some dynamic ability at that receiver, receiver position. That's the one thing they probably lack as at receivers, that guy who can stretch the field and, and make some big plays after the catch. I like Kyle Phillips a lot, but it, it'd be nice to have like that absolute burner. And I think Newcomb can bring that. Staples, he is a, is a long but strong physical 6'2", 6'3", kid, another track guy, more of a 400-meter guy. So he's a little bit more of a long shredder, not that short area burst quickness guy like Newcomb. But a little more of a straight line speed guy who, again, he's just kind of grown into his body and, and kind of just learning the position. We saw him at the Under Armour camp early in, early in the year. And uh, I think there's, there's areas to improve 
maybe just kind of become a little bit, a little bit more natural with those hands as far as catching the football, but physically, and the guy has a, a college body right now, really looks the part. And I think, again, he's only been playing football, I think for two years. So a guy who's just scratching the surface and it should make a big jump when he gets to college. Yeah, no, I, I think that's one program to definitely keep an eye on. They they've been, I think, raising their efforts as well. So UCLA is 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 you know typically not getting it done on the field through the first couple of years, but I think now they're turning the tide in terms of recruiting and, and putting a little bit more effort. So, uh, thank you so much, Greg. That, that was awesome. You you always bring the goods. You always deliver, my friend. Always good to be on with you. Thanks, Blair. All right, so that was Greg Biggins. We're about to dial up national analyst Charles Power after a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. It's a big week, uh, maybe a bigger week at 24-7 Sports than usual. We've got a new release of the top 24-7, an update to the rankings with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. So who better to talk about that with than Charles Power? He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. Charles joins us now. Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Blair? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. We're getting back in the swing of things. I don't know if you heard the, the show uh, recently, but we went out to a camp recently, a showcase. Uh, oh, yeah. I think football events are now starting to roll again. The commitments have continued. Before we get into the update, before we get to the to the refresh of the top 24-7, let's talk about a guy who we featured on our Stock Up report last time you were a guest on this show and and and, and discuss, you know, the, the commitment, um, you know, this was a huge uh, bit of news over the weekend. Javari Ritzy, a four-star defensive end from Glen High School in North Carolina, a top 100 prospect in the 24-7 sports rankings, and a top 15 prospect at his position, strong side defensive end nationally. According to the composite, North Carolina is getting an in-state prospect and, and one that you really like. Yeah, I think this is just really more of the same for North Carolina. They're, they're on a roll this cycle, but uh, you know, Javari Ritzy is, is one who – when we were going through the defensive line, we liked him a whole lot. He is a big, athletic, well-built defensive lineman who has some versatility, can play strong side defensive end. Uh, I think he can maybe project as a defensive tackle long-term. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5", about 275 right now, a lot of length. And he, I think he's got some room to put on some mass and very athletic uh, defensive lineman. I, I know Steve Wolfong is kind of covered him very closely um, throughout over the last couple months and kind of under some, some interesting information. You know, his mom is a track coach at his high school. He's a guy who runs the relay, throws the shot put at a high level. Um, in addition to, to being a, a very good football player already, I think he has a lot of upside. And uh, man, I, I think, you know, we talked about this a lot, you know, North Carolina, it's really a, a really strong year in that state. I mean, it's kind of almost, you know, just crazy how many good players um, we continue to find there. And North Carolina's class is, I think, 14 out of their 16 commitments are from in-state, and they're currently sitting, uh, you know, with the, with, with the number five class nationally. So 
Uh, Ritzy's another big, a big get for them. I think he, um, you know, is a guy who can come in ready to play. Um, and, and I think he'll, he'll make an impact pretty, pretty quickly, uh, you know, in, in, in his college career. So a lot of upside and already a pretty good player, but I think he's definitely going to keep getting better. Right. No. And, and looking at it, I guess, from the other coast uh, in, in this country, you, you look at North Carolina's situation with Mac Brown, you, you would have thought just on the surface that maybe he would skip a beat, right? Or, or he would lose his touch being out of the game for so long. So much has changed in recruiting specifically that maybe you you think, oh, you know, maybe he, he's not up to the times. But th- he's shown time and time again, especially in this 2021 class, that he, he's he's built for this. Yeah. And it's, it's there's really kind of some some interesting parallels when to, to Mac Brown's tenure at Texas early on, you know, he kind of got in there and, and kind of, you know, put a fence around the state and his uh, national championship team was really one of the last national title teams to be strictly built on in-state players. Um, so it's kind of a, I think he's hitting this, uh, his tenure in North Carolina in the right time. It's definitely, um, I think, I think, pretty fortunate that that there's this uptick of talent when he's getting started there but um he's also doing a really good job of taking advantage of that they have a lot of good recruiters in their staff and i think it's um you know just just kind of uh uh you know fortuitous uh you know linking up with it being his first year first uh you know i guess second true cycle and then this many good players in the state. So there's a lot of good players that also, I mean, there's, there's some good players that are going out of state to other programs too. There's just so much talent in the state. Um, he, and he's doing a great job of recruiting that. So, um, yeah, I, I think this could be a rare situation where you could sign a, you know, top five type class, um, staying you know yeah exclusively built yeah yeah, within state prospects right Uh, yeah we're joined by charles power national analyst for 24 7 sports you can follow him on twitter at charles power now we've got a big week like i alluded to charles on wednesday over at 24 7 sports we are going to release an updated look at the top 24 7 we did a deeper dive into offensive film We, we we that was more of the emphasis this time around the the refresh and uh, we're going to feature now in our stock report a few guys that we see moving up in the rankings and really seeing their stock rise considerably let's start with wide receiver Jaden Ballard Ballard uh, what do you like about him what do you think makes him special and has the potential with with all the upside in the world to be a, a really special playmaker at the next level yeah Jaden Ballard was one that we um we kind of a couple of us independently came upon when we were going through the receivers, like, like kind of thinking, Oh man, like we might have him, have him too low. He's an Ohio state commit from uh, Washington high school in Massillon, Ohio. It's one of the top high school programs in the state of Ohio. Um, since we last kind of did the rankings, I think he put some more film together and it was just a little more to go through and uh, really kind of digging on, on his background. Uh, there were some track times that we didn't have on him previously, um, you know, he, he's a guy who runs in, I think in the, in the, in the 10 and eight range. Um, and, and his video is just, is just really, really strong. I think he's a guy who w- w- was really productive, helped his team to, to a state title last year, state, state title appearance. And, um, you know, he's got a, a, a 10, eight, nine, 100, a good size. He's, you know, six, two plus, uh, you know, 185, 190. We really, really like how he can get vertical. Um, and, and separates really well uh, and, and can just make some plays as a downfield receiver. So he's highly productive, uh, really good basketball player. Just there, there just wasn't a whole lot 
to 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 knock on him um, as a guy who we thought should be going up relative to some of the other receivers. So um, I think with with Ballard, it was just about getting there was just a lot more information available this time around um, than kind of when we last addressed him, you know, in, in February or March. And I, that's one of the purposes I think of why this has been official is that people always wonder like how are y'all doing rankings when there's not a whole lot of uh actual football going on I mean it just gave us we just had a lot more time to to dig in and um find some more uh you know I think pretty vital information on on him so um yeah I, I think this is kind of a the rich get richer situation with Ohio State they signed one of the better receiver halls that I've ever seen following recruiting last cycle and uh yeah, I think Ballard is, is one who who we, we like a lot. I think is, you know, is a guy who could come in and and, and make an impact there. Um, so he's just very talented. Yeah, I think to to add on to your point about being able to rank some of these prospects now without any basically new information, right? There are no more in-person camps at, at the moment. Uh, we don't really have much to go off of. But when you are focusing on a position, right? We, I think we've been going, let's let's take people behind the curtain. We're, we've been going position by position every week and doing a deep dive at those. So when you're watching receivers back to back to back to back and just watching their highlights, watching film, even watching teammate films so that you're not only seeing the good plays on certain right. players. I think it does elevate some players above others and it gives you maybe a better sense of the position overall. Yeah. And I think we, when you have more time, it's, um, you know, we, we do the position because it's really allows you to kind of make an apples to apples comparison. Um, and, and I think that's just the the cleanest way to do it and doing it this way and, and having, you know, really the, the main benefit is this whole um, you know, quarantine coronavirus situation has just given us more time. Uh, it's given us more time to kind of go back and, and really go over it with a fine tooth comb. And that's kind of what we did. And I think that's kind of a common trend with the guys that moved up. Um, it was, it was just, we just had more information available this go around than, um, you know, previously. Yeah, and another position that is going to see maybe some considerable bumps uh, along the the the, the offensive line, uh, you know, offensive guard, offensive tackles, you know, some centers rising in the rankings as well. Let's start with Jager Burton. He's a four-star prospect from Lexington, Kentucky. He plays at Frederick Douglass High School. He's got over 20 scholarship offers. Uh, really, you know, when you look at his film, uh, just physical and, and, and strong at the point of attack, but really athletic. And I like his nimbleness. Uh, you know, he's about 6'4", 270, doesn't look bad weight-wise and, and could add some, some really good weight in the years to come. Yeah, so we first saw... Jaeger Burton, um, several of us, it was Barton Simmons, Steve Wiltfong, and I saw him at the Nashville Opening Regional around this time last year. And uh, he was very good there. And kind of when we were putting together the, the initial uh, 2021 cycle ranking, you know, his, his sophomore video was okay. Um, but, but he definitely took a, a big jump as a, as a junior. Um, I, I think going through and watching all these offensive linemen, I thought he moved at the second level as good as anybody. I mean, you, if you turn on his video, you can just see like this guy can really move. I mean, he can, he can scoot at the second level. Um, and, and I think that that bodes well, I mean, obviously movement skills are, are really a, a key factor with offensive linemen. And, um, he already has pretty good size, big frame. He's got 10 inch hands. Um, and, and has, has shown well kind of in combine settings too. And that, that's transferring over the field, you know, played with, with Walker parks who, who signed with Clemson. 
um, on that offensive line at, at uh, Frederick Douglass High School in Kentucky. So, um, they, I mean, they definitely had a pretty good front. And I thought, I mean, if you watch the video, he was just as good as, as Walker Parks was, despite being a year behind him. So, um, he was kind of a no-brainer stock-up guy for us when we kind of put all the offensive linemen in context. And, and like you said, Blair, this I think this is a strong O-line class. Um, you know, kind of going through each of these positions, we can kind of see kind of, I guess it's kind of a litmus test on, on you know, the, the strength of each position and where the 2021 cycle is strong. And there are positions where I don't think it's quite as like, it, it's certainly a down year running back outside of Trevion Henderson, who might be the best overall prospect or best overall football player in the class is a, you know, pretty weak year nationally at, at, at running back um, re- receiver outside of Emeka Egbuka. There's a little bit of a drop off, a little bit of a gap there. Um, but I think it's really strong on offensive line, particularly offensive tackle. Um, you know, we have you know, J.C. Latham, who made news uh, committing to Alabama as, as he's the number three player in the country. But I think in addition to Latham, you know, we currently have Tommy, Tommy Brockermeyer in the top 10. I think there's three more guys who have that kind of top 10 potential. Um, you know, Donovan Jackson, who is just really hard to, to knock, you know, find a hole in his game. He's six, three and a half, but he, he has a six ten wingspan, could easily play tackle the next level. He's the best offensive lineman. At the uh, at the opening last year, as a rising junior, um, Amarius Mims, who is just freakish dimensionally, took a jump as a junior. Uh, great player uh, out of Georgia, and, and then Tristan Lee is is one who I, I'm high on as well. Uh, a guy that was, uh, I think he was the alpha dog at the at the All American Bowl Combine, underclassman Combine in January, and his his video is awesome. It's just him dominating guys for 14 minutes. So those are three that I think, or, or four in addition to Latham and Brockermeyer that I think have top 10 type potential in this class. I mean, all, odds are all of them won't end up that highly ranked, but I think they have that kind of upside. So uh, I came away pretty bullish on this offensive line class. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, I guess speaking specifically on a prospect that I'm very familiar with, Kingsley Suamataia, who's the number one rated offensive lineman in the class uh, out West, you know, he, he doesn't even crack the top 70. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that that kind of speaks to the level and the depth of of, uh, of the offensive line class in 2021. Yeah. We're joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Power. Please get him over 7,000 followers. Uh, we were, that's that's our push. That's our campaign. I, I got the bumper stickers <laughs> ready, Charles. Um, Sounds good. Before we let you go, let, let's touch on on tight end Elijah Arroyo. That's another stock up prospect that committed to Miami uh, and this is your opportunity now to kind of plug a, a really interesting article that you that you put out over the weekend at 24/7 sports looking at the factors that matter and the traits that we look for when we evaluate pass catchers yeah so uh, that's kind of one thing we're, we're doing um, in, in the lead at these rankings releases just going through and um, kind of taking a step back and looking at things you know factors that are important when you're evaluating these these specific positions and looking for kind of commonalities um, and, uh, you know, just, just traits that these top, you know, the, the top players in college football and top draft picks have. So, um, you know, receiver is, is a, and running back similarly is, is just – they call them skill positions for a reason. There's highly skill-based. All these guys are, are athletic, but they're, um, they have some nuance to their game. They really – kind of come into college football pretty polished and and able to make an impact. I think a lot of times you don't really see as many like quote, like developmental prospects at, at running back and receiver. They're all almost very uh, productive at at the high school level, at least by the time they're seniors, for instance, like the receivers, um, 
the sample group that I pulled from, there was 38 of them. This is guys that were picked in the top 100 picks of the last, uh, I think the last three drafts. Um, you know, they, they all had, uh, they averaged over a thousand yards as, as seniors and 18 yards a catch, um, almost 14 touchdowns. So in addition to their athletic traits, which were, were usually pretty good, um, those guys were very productive. And I think one of the major things I noticed with the receivers is all the guys that are under six feet, um, are almost all of them are fast, like documented track speed guys who, who can run. So that's right. That's yeah. So if you don't, yeah, if you don't have the height or the length, you, you better be really quick. Yeah. Right. Um, so almost all those guys had sub 11 or around 11 second, hundred meter times, um, or, or sub five second forties in camps. So, um, tight end is, man, tight ends a really interesting position. It's, it's one where I think you see the most walk-ons drafted highly. Um, you see guys come from all shapes and sizes, uh, a lot of t- it's probably the least athletic out of coming out of high school in terms of the positions. And it's just a very developmental um, spot in terms of the skills you need. And physically, I think you see a lot of physical jumps w- with that said, there are guys who are kind of like freaks coming out of high school who end up being top draft picks, a guy like a, um, like a OJ Howard or a Mike Gesicki or a David Njoku, um, Noah Fant. Those guys were all very athletic, but but then we see guys who, you know, kind of come out of nowhere, um, like Evan Ingram that you know ran like a four nine coming out, or, or T.J. Hawkinson. So um, it, it's definitely a lot more of a projection. I kind of kind of made like three categories with with the tight ends, and it's you see the guys who are really big receivers in high school who kind of convert to a tight end, kind of grow into a tight end, um, at the college level. And that's, that's the, that's the position, that's the group that Elijah Arroyo would, would slot into. Um, and then, uh, then we have kind of the, the two way defensive end tight end types. And, and then the guys who just completely come out of nowhere. These are like the walk-ons, the former quarterbacks, the guys who gain 60 pounds and they get to college. Um, so, so kind of looping it back to Elijah Arroyo, I, I think personally in terms of, you know, the easiest ones to project are the guys who are the pass catchers. Um, and, and that's kind of what Arroyo is. He was, is, uh, you know, out of, um, uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, very highly recruited, sought after, um, originally from Miami. So that's kind of how, that's kind of the link, um, with, with how Miami was able to land him. And I think we were going through the tight ends. It is not like last year, the 2020 cycle was the best tight end cycle I've ever seen, um, covering recruiting. And, and this year it, it is not quite, that standard I mean I think most years would not be um but but we were going through the tight ends Elijah Royal was one who, who instantly kind of stuck out I think we all kind of agreed that that he was you know a a, a top you know three four tight end in, in in this class that we watched um so you know just just athletic uh, nimble pass catcher plays receiver for his high school but certainly projects as a tight end long term and uh two others I would probably want to touch on um among the tight ends were, were, were Bryson Nesbitt uh, kind of a more of your raw basketball player type uh, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and then Miles Campbell, who's committed to Tennessee, was one who is, um, you know, kind of a, a, a big receiver, 6'3", 230, um, and, and plays a lot of different spots for his high school. But, uh, you know, is, is a pretty refined pass catcher as well. So um, that's kind of what we're looking for. A tight end is definitely one of the more interesting positions to evaluate, though. It's, it's pretty 
tough. And I, I think you see that at the, at the NFL level as well. Um, a lot of tight ends really don't make an impact until they get on that second contract. You have guys every now and then that kind of explode early, but it is not common because it's just, it's a hard position and you have to be able to, um, you know, be a mismatch in the passing game. And if you want to be every down tight and be able to block, and there's just not a whole lot of guys that can do that uh, early in their careers. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's as big of a jump for any other position as there is for a high school tight end to go into college mm-hmm. tight end. And then it's real tough. And, and then the same way from college to the NFL, like you mentioned, I, the jump is just tremendous. I, I think whenever NFL teams are drafting a tight end and we saw a handful go, you know, in the second to third round, you know, some in the fourth round, uh, those are players that they're not really expecting to see the field from day one. I think they all evaluate yeah. them and, and and it's more of a long-term projection. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, it is a very interesting position to evaluate and a very difficult one. And I think a lot of college coaches would say the same. Uh, a lot of, a lot of really good insight there from Charles Power. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Power and you can read a lot of his good stuff this coming week. Uh, we got a story on the offensive linemen the traits you look for there when we're evaluating them and then also the quarterbacks on tuesday leading up to wednesday's big release of the new top 24 7 charles thank you so much for joining us thanks blair all right so that's charles power you can follow him on twitter like i said at charles power you can follow our previous guest greg biggins at greg biggins on twitter and uh and you know once again if you can please rate review and subscribe leave a five-star review with your recruiting question we'll do our best to get a mailbag episode up on this feed with the analysts answering those recruit questions. So for Charles Power, for Greg Biggins, and for myself, Blair Angulo, thank you so much for tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.